and we are live with Living the Guide Life today. Got some fun new things happening in Minnesota. Some good things, some bad things, I guess. Um, new regulations came out, so it's going to be an interesting year. We got early teal season. Got a five-day deal for that, early September. Um, going to be something new for us. We've never had that in my lifetime. And so it'll be kind of fun to test that out and see what happens. Because in the past, we've had some really nice spots feeling it. But you just can never hunt it because we don't have early teal season in the past. Um, also, the goose limit went up from three to five this year. So that'll make it a lot more fun. There's definitely some hunts where it'll be like, you just got to find bigger feeds. But at the same time, there's a lot of hunts where you could have used that in the past. So. I think it'll be only a good thing. Um, also changed, you can hunt after 4 p.m. before the split of the season, which I think is great. Only allows more hunting opportunity for the people out there. Um, they get off work later, whatever it is. Let's get out. Let's have fun. Um, it doesn't stop them from hunting, so that's great. The thing that makes me mad, not mad, just disappointed, is our season usually has a split of 12 days so you can can't hunt two weeks and that weekend you can't hunt so usually for me i go up north go hang out with buddies that week since we can't hunt down in the south zone and then our season stays open till december 6th which is better for us because that's when it gets really good that's kind of our hot spot hot time for mallards so that's what I really liked, but now they switched it to a five-day split, so you can only not hunt five days. And they moved the season back to November 28th. I think that's a little ridiculous. Not a huge fan of it. Um, it's just not something I'm super excited about. So, other than that, um, things have been going good. Can't complain. Squadfest was awesome. It was a lot of fun over there. Got to meet a bunch of great people, um, see a lot of good friends, so that was awesome. And uh, if you guys didn't make it to that, make sure to put it on your list for next year, because that was a blast. But today, we have brought to you by Chasing Fowl Outfitters. Make sure to shoot me a message. It's going to be a big year. Now that we can shoot five geese, we can shoot a lot more geese. We got early teal season coming up. Something new for us. And uh, a lot of different regulations that I think will make hunting for the better and a lot more fun. Um, a lot more worth it for a lot of guys to come out of state and hunt. I think that's the biggest thing. So that'll bring a lot of traffic in and that'll be fun. Um, but other than that, we all are also brought to you by Bourbon Media. So I'll give them a minute here. If you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry, we get it. The words digital marketing can be intimidating. You're a grunt work, sweat it out, bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business. We at Bourbon Media can help you push it even further. We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core market. We are Bourbon Media. Cheers to progression. 
And that wraps things up for Bourbon Media. Um, a lot of fun stuff going on with them. Been uh, working on a lot of cool things in the pipeline on what we can do for content and how we can build a better community for hunting. Um, just keep an eye out on that. We got some exciting stuff for you guys. Super pumped. And yeah. And then now Pacific Calls. We are also brought to you by Pacific Calls. Um, got the new four and one. Been ripping that a lot. Super excited to use that out in the field this year. Um, got every every call that they uh, have. So it's been super awesome to rip those out, try them out. They're awesome calls. Super easy to blow. Super easy to learn from. And you just really can't complain. And they are making some sweet stuff. If you haven't checked out their merch, they just came out with their classic Pacific Calls hat. The foam hat. Um, and it's just it's badass, dude. So make sure to go check them out and see all the new merch they got dropping. A lot of cool, cool designs. And the calls are just better than ever. So make sure to check that out. But today we have Grady on. Um, Grady is from out west and we dig into a bunch of stuff on film work. That he's done with traveling all over the place. Um, some of the nitty gritty stuff in the hunting industry. So I think you guys will really enjoy this one. And I really hope uh, you guys are having a killer summer so far. So enjoy. We are live with Living the Guide Life today. We have Grady K. Rolls on, and uh, he owns a company, Paper Street Enterprise. So, Grady, how we doing? All's good here, brother. How you doing? Just living the dream, dude. It's fucking hot. Yeah. What town you in? I'm over in Mankato, Minnesota, and it is hot up here, dude. Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Been on the streets doing some riding and getting a new TV and stuff. Oh, yeah. Big time. Just going up nice. there, burning the city down. <laughs> Jeez, doing your part <laughs> exactly just trying to help out those neighborhoods yeah oh god dude yeah um, yeah i'm out here in northeast oregon so we're just barely in spring here and we've had some hot days we're gonna have a nice little rain but yeah great paradise paradise out here yeah can't complain how warm is it out there right now i mean we've had some 80s but today we're in the I think we're in the 50s today. Like mm. I said, expecting a rain. Yeah, 55. And then it's going to go 55, 64, 72, 82, 86, 79, 75. And that's without humidity. So that's pretty nice life. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that at all, dude. It's like 95 out today with horrible humidity. And yeah. that's how it's been for like the past fucking week. Yeah, I'm doing some podcasts to stay in the air conditioner. Yeah, no kidding. You can say that again. Yeah, here we are. We've been rolling it now. We're going. Um, but yeah, dude, let's uh, let's hear about that picture with Trevor. Today's post. Yeah. What is today? Today's the ninth. Yeah. Yeah. So Trevor, uh, Trevor got introduced to the film game through me, and so back 2015, it probably was. We dropped in and. He was filming me do some archery hunting, mm. and uh, he had some chronic nosebleeds. He told me that an alien put an egg in his in his brain, 
And uh, so every time it would start be getting good, he'd black out and have a nosebleed. And so that was the first time having experience filming with me. Yeah. And we covered some ground. We saw a couple. We saw one legendary bull, and he's uh, haunted me my whole life. But finally, a few years ago, he's a really unique, crowned off bull. And a few years ago, my I ran into a dude, and he goes, you know, the biggest bull I've ever seen was here and such and such. And, and it was the same bull and same same season. And uh, anyways, that's a legend. Trevor was there. And we didn't get a bull, but we had a, a lot of fun. And, and he went out and filmed hunts after there uh, through me and on his own and stuff yeah. for a little bit until he decided he wanted to live the guy's life. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. And you're a yeah. big, you're more of a big game hunter, aren't you? You know, I am. I'm more of a big game hunter. I'm not even a hunter, man. I'm yeah. just trying to do, you know, compared to the killers out there, the, day, the dudes that get the big elk every year or in multiple states, I mean, those are killers. Yeah. And I followed, I followed multiple of them around, and they're a special breed. And it's such a skill to, to grow and to have. And, yeah, I've really tried to take some time the last few years. And, like, last year I took about 40 days to myself big game hunting. Oh, wow. And then a uh, the year before I probably had 20 or 30. And really just, you know, I can't follow people through the woods forever, you know. And yeah. so I have done a lot of that adventure filmmaking where I'm with someone in their back pocket uh, capturing big game. And then, yeah, I'm passionate about, you know, just I'm passionate about the adventure, man. Yeah. Like, I, it doesn't matter about the critters. That's just a bonus. And that's probably why I'm not as much into the bird hunting, and I'll probably get smoked for just even saying that. But anyways, <laughs> I, I love to see the dude's passion and everything, and it, but uh, the adventure of the birds, and it's probably because I haven't gone out there and got skunk multiple days and then got on them hot and heavy and felt that rush. Yeah. You know, I've always been out there and been blessed with, most of the time, pretty good hunts, and I'm, I'm with pros and stuff like that. So. I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah. But all you guys out there, you're never going to get rich doing it. So stop thinking that you are. And, uh, and I learned that a long time ago. So you got to find a niche, you know? Yeah. And my niche is, you know, following people around in the woods freelance and uh, handing the footage over. Uh, yeah, I think there's some niche guys out there. I know some dudes that uh get paid to take dudes swinging flies you know out on the oh, coast yeah. and stuff going after steelhead yeah and they're 500 bucks a person a day or you know and so they might make a thousand bucks or or you know after tip but yeah find your niche that's what i tell any young dude you got to master your niche and then you can move on to your next one and not and shoot i haven't mastered mine so i'm still sticking around right now so yeah yeah man yeah no that's a great point though you just got to find your niche you got to make something that makes you different than everybody else yeah and then it's you know every sale that i have ever made uh for the most part has been relationship uh word of mouth person to person you know the random call that you get on the phone uh from someone that sees something most of the time they can never afford you anyways and yeah. so uh if you're trying to work with real clients it's going to get passed down because yeah that's how it works and so yeah, man. Uh, yeah. It's very important to find your niche, no doubt. Oh, I heard that. And I want to hear yes, more on your backstory on how you got into hunting and all that kind of fun stuff. Oh, and man, then, yeah, and then your company and all that kind of good shit. Yeah, 
Right on, dude. Well, I've told my story many times because I teach a film school. Okay. And yeah. so I always introduce myself and have to, you know, uh, hold presence in the room the whole time and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I went to school, uh, university, uh, Oregon State. And so that's probably nothing that I'd recommend to anybody now when I'm having these uh, conversations with young dudes. I always tell them, you know, go find someone to learn from and they'll probably pay you to learn or, yeah. you know, uh, go find a trade school. But these universities, uh, pretty crazy, all the classes they make you take and mm -hmm. whatnot. And so that's my little soapbox on that. But I did go to university for a film. And uh, after I bounced around, I probably switched my majors five times. And then I, I switched over to filmmaking. That was pretty new. Yeah. That was like 2006. Okay. And I graduated 2008. And I came home for a summer. And then I went out to Las Vegas and I worked at a golf club, real private club, uh, working off tips and minimum wage. And then I ro rolled in uh, with a wedding crew that was from my hometown. And there was a young dude there that taught me all the ropes on wedding cinema. And that was a new thing at that time. 2008 the 5d mark ii was coming out yeah and uh the detachable lenses now and so people were putting together these cool films and so in that stretch about three and a half years i shot a ton of weddings uh that and then i was working at the golf club uh doing both whatever and yeah i just started building my knowledge i was doing films for outdoor film fest kind of like where i met trevor bennett and uh you know just getting my hands in there and then i did a couple documentaries we did a wolf documentary from my hometown i got mm. to be involved in and then i started my own company uh 2013 and uh it kind of changed names pr productions living sky productions and then paper street enterprise kind of came about uh yeah and if you ever seen fight club they live on paper street with their paper street soap company and yeah. uh, that's where the name come from. And then I, I'm out here in Enterprise, Oregon. So, yeah, man, I filmed uh, Once in a Lifetime Hunt for a living now. Uh, I've got a chance now to work with most of the clients that know what the heck they're doing. And uh, this year I'm working with a guy that's been in the outdoor industry uh, with his show for about, uh, I think this is his 13th season. So, oh, wow. you know, out there in the world of TV and the outdoors, it's pretty tough. And if you make it, um, you know, you just – that's what it takes. You got to stick around and then finally get yourself some good time slots. And yeah, yeah, I've, I've gone through the whole uh, argument of YouTube versus TV. And right now, especially with COVID, shoot numbers doubled or tripled on TV. And you can't guarantee those views on online. And so if you've got the money, uh, the TV market's still there for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And how did you get connected? I kind of bird walked all over the place, but I told you about this. Go ahead. Sorry, brother. No worries. I was just going to say, yeah, how do you get set up with a TV time slot and all that kind of fun stuff? What do you have to do to make that happen? You can buy slots. Yeah. Yes, sir. If you've got money, they'll let you get on there for the most part. I think it's tightened up a little with Outdoor Channel uh, taking on a lot of variety of different things that's not hunting. And then the Sportsman's Channel, they kind of nitpicked and kept people around. But if you have money and you come and say, hey, I've got a show and I've got the money to pay for the time, um, they're not going to turn you away. Yeah. And when you're saying money, how much, if you knew yeah, or I don't know anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Uh, it's probably, 
you know, outdoor television, I bet a hundred grand or something. Oh, I don't know though. Don't I don't know. Yeah, that might be way high. That might include some production. Yeah, uh, I'm not the guy for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to throw around. Yeah, I'm just not educated on that. I might have gave you a number that's, you know, you might be able to call sportsman and get something for way less. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but it is time by most of the time anymore. Um, and so you got to pay to be there. That's why sponsors and everything. Yeah, are a big, big factor. Huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then that wolf documentary, what was that all about? Yeah, that's called Possible Unknown. You can look it up on Vimeo right now, Possible okay. Unknown. And uh, that's possible unknown is the name that they'll give when something like when a um, livestock has been attacked by a, by something and they can't prove and it possibly or could be a wolf, but it's unknown is and that's the one where the farmers don't get money. If mm. it's declared by a wolf, then uh, or depredation altogether, then they get the money and and, you know. And in that film that we made, there was an animal, uh, you know, that we showed some calves getting taken, not it happening, but the aftermark. And then there's a big bull that ends up dying at the end. And there's a conversation with uh, ODF&W, Oregon, you know, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, and uh, the local farmer. And, yeah, it's just been a bad situation, man. Uh, it's very political, first of all. But, yeah. The situation with the wolves out here in Oregon have has been a real, real bad. So um, they just need to be managed. That's the biggest thing. You know, a lot of people say, well, can't say no wolf. And I, I'm to the point where I'm just like, okay, we just need to manage. You know, yeah. and now Idaho's gone as far as they're going to get rid of 90 some percent of theirs. So oh, wow. I always tell the story back when my granddad lived here in this same area. Uh, he always talked about there's a reason they got rid, rid of the wolves, you know, and uh, they don't, you know, they kill for fun and all sorts of different things. And uh, yeah, they just need to be managed. And so far, our state is, you know, kind of hands off. You you shoot one of those, it's worse than a homicide. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, they're coming in there and they're figuring out what they're trying to figure out who it was, at least. For yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a big thing out west is the wolves. That's all I yeah. care about is like if they should re bring them in, reintroduce or take them out or whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah, reintroduce should not happen. I mean, we we're seeing the product of that in my state, and then you you know with Idaho having good conservative management, they're going to take care of the wolf and have them in very small numbers in their state as they should. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it's a big thing in Colorado right now with the everything that's going on and. And in my state, it's not just the wolf. I mean, when we're talking about uh, deer and elk management, we've got, you know, we don't hunt the lions or the bears with dogs. And so we've got numbers that are just not not adding up right now. Yeah. And now they'll cut tags back and it's just a, it's a snowball effect. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of people, you know, take stuff into their own hands and do all sorts of things. And, and, uh, you know, I I always try to tread very lightly and be careful because this is what I do for a living. But yeah, you, you know, you see people's frust frustration. Uh, oh, I can yeah. imagine. Yeah, especially you know, I worked with an outfitter out in Idaho, and he he talked about how they got a pack that came in, 
and it hurt their herd. And then uh, they put in a trap line and they pushed them out and then their herd start coming back, you know, and it, it seems pretty obvious when how much money there is in the outdoor industry and how much money these states make off tags yeah. that they need to take care of their herds, you know? Oh, and so it's pretty frustrating for me. I try to be a common sense and uh, common sense is out the window in some of these states right now. So, oh. yeah, yeah it's in, especially Minnesota. Oh, I know, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's bad up there, dude. Uh, dude, it's it's something else. I'm trying to get the hell, trying to get the hell over to Montana here pretty soon. Yeah, just be careful. Pick poison out there, Bozeman. Mm. You know they call that Bozo land. Oh yeah. Um, it's gotten pretty crazy, and so yeah, there's a lot of great places. You know, I get to travel the world and travel the West, and there's great rural areas oh. everywhere. Yeah. It's just all about picking your backdrop and and uh, things like that. So, yeah, Minnesota, like, I'm down more over in the rural area of it. Um, but it's just like you watch everything that goes on around here, and it's like, eh, I'd rather be somewhere else. Yeah. Like, yeah, man. Well, you can cross those invisible lines right now and have complete different legislation. So, oh God, yeah. Uh, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. That's- uh, What's the deal with that over in Oregon, Portland? I mean, we're we're the we are the communists pushing it all together. You know, right yeah. now we're the worst state, practically. Uh, you know, they still have us in a state of emergency here, and Jeez. you know, when on the COVID, and uh, yeah, it's nuts. They can't find anybody to work because everybody's uh, taking their their COVID money and. Yep. Like every restaurant out here in our small little area is hiring, and everybody you talk to is hiring. Yeah, you know, just finding workers—it's insane, man. And eventually, the bank's gonna go dry, and we'll see what happens. All these people that have no skill, and they've been uh, doing whatever they've been doing, man. It's uh, it's, it's crazy. So. That's the same with us, dude. I mean, everywhere is hiring. Literally, everywhere yeah. is hiring. Yeah. Menards is offering like eighteen fifty an hour to come work for them. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable how it's still hiring at this rate. Oh yeah. I got a lot of friends that live in the in the cities and I know like two that are moving to my home area and more that want to and I and each one that comes here I line I can get them lined out with three or four places immediately. Hey, go talk to them, them and them, you know? Yeah. And uh that's crazy, dude. Yeah, no. Anyways, as we fix all the world's problems here, you know. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> We're just figuring it all out, seeing yeah. what we can do. But, dude, so what's uh, what do you mainly hunt out in Oregon then? Elk? Man, I just put in for everything and hope to draw a tag. And then, yeah. if not, we hunt over the over the counter archery. And this year is the first year where you have to put in for your archery deer. Because our numbers were messed up, and oh, so wow. and uh, elk is still over the counter this year, but not for long. So out here where I'm at, we have all the. I mean, most of the good tags are in my uh, county, and then like uh, all the trophy, big Rocky Mountain and stuff. But just see that we'll see in June what uh, what we draw. And I'm not hunting anything out of state this year. Okay. Uh, I'm lucky enough. I've got kind of a full season of filming and then I'm going to fit some stuff around. So, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, man, I'm a big game hunter. 
but I'll, I'll hunt anything. But I just I like leaving it up to the pros if uh, if we're going out there and you know I'm not out tooting on my horn in my uh, diesel engine or anything. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah, Matt. And what do you got planned for this year? What are the some of the states you're gonna go filming? Yeah, Colorado and Pen- and Pennsylvania and Arizona. I think are the three states. Oh, wow. I'll be in Colorado multiple times. Uh, then I'll be out in my own state. Yes, yeah, sir. Absolutely. And, and most of the, yeah, those are all big game. Uh, elk, deer, uh, coos, uh, um, what, what a whitetail. Yeah, well, he'll have a mule deer and whitetail. Yeah. And then a lion to wrap it up to do in December with dogs. Oh, wow. Fair enough. That'll be fun. Yeah, no kidding. Lion hunting, yep. I've heard, is a pretty rowdy time. I mean, every houndsman's crazy, dude. Yeah. And every one of them different. They always, they spend time just them and their dogs out in the woods. And, uh, yeah, every houndsman you meet is just a wacko. And that's what makes them so cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so rowdy. Dude, I was out in Montana, and I was working on my buddy's ranch last year. And they have like a couple that comes out there and hunts mountain lions out there with dogs. And we met them. And it was just the funniest thing because the wife, she's like, I don't know, like 60, 65 maybe. And she just got like a fat chew in. And, and, <laughs> and her husband's about the same. And he's like, yeah, if I only have to give you one piece of advice, don't buy a truck from a like a mountain lion hunter. Cause they just beat the shit out. Oh of them. yeah, of course not. Yeah, yeah. And he was showing us pictures <laughs> of just like where their truck's been and just like all this shit, and it gets beat the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, those are majestic animals, those lions, man. I got a chance to hunt one personally when I traded with uh, Holder Creek Outfitters out in Idaho, and I got a tom on my first ever cat, man. Oh wow, we got. The tree was like down at the bottom of the drainage that he was in, and so we could go up the pretty steep, you know, side hill, and we got level with him, and he was only like twelve yards from me, uh, and that was pretty intense. Those lions are amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, cause we we went out and just walked around, kind of figured out what they were tracking and everything, and checked trail cameras for them. They're just like. Such a cool animal. They're so quiet, and you'd never realize they're there. Yeah, they're one of the only predators that you wouldn't know they're there until you're dead. Like yeah. uh, a bear or any, you know, when they charge, they make some noise, and they're going to let you know, pop their jaw stuff. And Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, those lions, yeah. Yeah, no, because what I we, carry all the time. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you on that. I would carry all the time if I'm chasing those things. Or even out yeah, in the woods. I carry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I carry all the time now anyway. Yeah. And I think everybody should, but uh, especially out in the woods. Oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, we went, when we yeah. went looking for him, yeah, I mean. We got the Hellcat in the house. Just the Hellcat. <laughs> Hellcat. Don't oh, yeah. Mess. They strap. Tell Trevor. Yes. They strap, get clapped. <laughs> yeah, dude. When I, when I turn 21 here in October, that's the first thing I'm buying. Is this for a high school project? <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's all it is. 
but well, yeah. I feel better now that I suck. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> it's just how it goes sometimes. Just how yeah. it goes. Well, sweet dude, so are you 20? Yeah, I'm 20 right now. Gotta just wait till I well, get When's that. your birthday? October 28th. Okay. So I got yeah. time. I'm just waiting to. Yeah, you should come out here west when you turn 21. Oh, yeah. Big time. Fuck it out. Get after it out there. Whatever. Yeah, I heard that. Dude, what's up? Yeah. What is your guys' season start out there for um, elk hunting and stuff like that? Dude, you know, September's the thing, you know, in the west. Yeah. Yeah, yeah September's the rut for the, for the elk. And, and that kicks off the season out here in Oregon. They always kick us off the last weekend in August. We go for a month for the over-the-counter, and then it just, every tag follows all the way until November, December, out in the West. Yeah. So. I feel like everybody, when they're posting about elk hunting, it's always during archery, during the rut. Yeah, that's the thing. Right. Yeah, like that's the that big thing out West. Pumping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that bugling, yeah. That's, that'd be sweet to yeah. be right underneath that. Yeah, I think something every man should experience, no doubt about it. I've had that conversation when you get in the zone, it's incredible, dude. They're yeah. amazing animals. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've just, yeah. just listening to them is insane. Yeah. Just on... And the places you find them, dude, they're not yeah. ever in the boring places. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Both are awesome. No kidding, dude. Because yeah, I get, I get my. Uh, I mean. I could probably get the tag this year, but I uh, I've been putting in for preference points over in Wyoming and for yeah. mule deer and elk, um, bull elk. So yep. I mean, I've been Western put- Wyoming. Yeah, and so I've been putting in since I was like eleven. So I have like uh, this will be my tenth year of preference points that I have saved up. Heck yeah, dude! And so well, you should let me know when you do it. Yeah. Oh, big time, dude. Get some people involved. Have some fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing, dude. I just want to get, like, a group of guys out there and just get yep. after it. Cause, that's like, the greatest thing at the outdoors, man, getting people together. Yeah. That's that was, what it's all about. Oh, yeah. Like, you go with an outfitter and be fun and all, but, like, I just want a group of guys that, like, just wants to go out and hunt, like, drink some whiskey next to the fire and do whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love the animals. Just finding yeah. them and uh, yeah, being out there, too. I mean, especially with all this craziness. Uh, you know, I've always liked to get out there and have freedom to put my feet wherever I want and stuff. But we just see that so much more. People yeah. are trying to get outdoors, man. Oh, my God. I'm tired of it. Yeah, people can't yeah. stand us inside anymore. Like, no, it's, it's a great we've thing. We've been lied to too much. Oh, my God, yeah. Way too bad. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Crazy. It's it's something else. And like I forgot who I was talking to, but it's just like um with the outdoor industry now, everybody's inside, everyone's either working from home, whatever it is, and has allowed people to get reintroduced to the outdoors. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I can just look outside here locally 
and uh, we were so busy last year just with tourism, and this this year's even more. We talked to some of the businesses, and this this county, yeah, they flourished on the the small business flourishes on the uh, tourism, yeah. and yeah, people are just tired of it. They're doing anything to get outside now, so yeah, as they should. Gosh dang it! Oh, absolutely, I'm with you on that. I try yeah. to get out, yeah, and do as much as possible, and like. With being a hunter, I mean, shit, dude, the places you can go and the places you can see, the shit you can see, like, some people will never yeah. see that in a lifetime. Yeah. The tag, just the excuse to get out there. Yep. Oh, exactly. Get to see those animals get running through. around. And, I mean, we were out there um, when I was out in Montana last year, just, we were just scouting around trying to find sheep heads, dead heads. Um, and, yeah. It was just so badass, dude. We walked up on like seven just monster rams, and they were like thirty yards from us. Oh, that's awesome. It was one of the coolest things ever. Like, hell yeah, weren't even hunting, but just being out there with them. It was one of the coolest things. Yep. And Heck yeah, dude. Yeah. What are some other things that like? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna ask you, dude. What's up with you the rest of the year? Yeah, I don't even know a thing about you. So, what you gonna do the rest of the year? Yeah, so this year we're gonna be running and gunning. Um, we got a guide service that I started like two years ago, and we'll probably be really running that hard this year. The last two years have been just like fun hunts and um, smaller groups, shit like that. But now it's gonna be like a full time deal. Um, and then also once we're done with that. Then going to do some more traveling for the podcast. So going to be going, try to hunt different states um, and just kind of explore around, see what everywhere's got. Sweet. Yeah. So yeah, I think we're going to go do some stuff out west and then around the Midwest a lot too as well. Sweet. Yeah. Hopefully they open up the border. I know, dude. That's what I've been saying. Like, I'd like to get back. I'm surprised. I'm surprised the Canadian outfitters have even. Uh, maybe they're all on the streets, and I don't even know it. But yeah, I mean, every client's American. It seems like so it's had to be tough up there. Oh my god, yeah. It's got to be a terrible deal. Like I was talking to uh, Jed Lamb, Southern Prairie, and he's like, "Yeah, it's it's crazy." Like. That cuts back a lot of your like funds just from not having your Canada operation. Like it's a big thing, and just not a, like if you don't run an outfitter as as well in America, like you're you're fucked. Yeah, especially if they close it again this year. Oh man, and I was well, I was talking to Charlie Fox. He was kind of going into. That supposedly June twenty second is when they're supposed to figure out if it's gonna open or not open. Mm. And so see how that plays out. It see. sure feels like there's a lot happening right now that we don't know what's going on most of the time. They just keep on taking us on the zigzag party. I mean, yeah. I don't even turn on the mainstream at all anymore. And uh I'm trying to read through the lines of all the other stuff whatever but a lot of a lot of uh, talk of gates throughout june of a lot yeah. of different things going on so i think we should just all hold on to our shorts and see what happens for sure yeah no kidding dude. and like 
I don't know. I've heard things about Canada that like, um, maybe they'd open up after like the tourist season in August, which would make sense. I mean, Canada's scared shitless of the COVID disease. Like, dude, I, I, I was talking to like a couple guys that are up there, and they're like, "How do you even go outside? Like, people are fucking scared out of their mind." They're like, "How are you going to the?" Like, they don't care, but. <laughs> They're like people are literally freaking out up here. Yeah, and it's... Well, I haven't changed a thing about my life. Yeah, I've, I've gone to Mexico three times. Uh, dude, if I would have listened to the government, I would have been bankrupt. Yeah, no kidding, dude. I wouldn't have been able to do like any. Working, dude. Yeah, you can't just stop like that. Like it's, it's just the flu. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like oh if you're if you're Super. younger and like you don't have any problems, whatever it is, just you're fine, dude. Like I why would you worry about it at all? Yeah, I mean all the numbers have come out down that bird walk, but eighty something percent of the people that got the COVID were vitamin B deficient, you know, and the yeah. severe ones were diabetic and obese and vitamin D deficient. So yep. if you're taking care of yourself and you're getting some sun and taking your vitamins. You should just keep acting normal and exactly. don't get the experimental shot. Exactly. Oh my God, yeah. Do not get that. And people are getting it. That's like insane. you see, dude, you see it all over, especially with me, like being a younger dude and like all my friends. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of people that are getting it. I'm like, why are you getting it? That makes no sense at all. It's- You're so young. You're healthy. There's no reason for you to be getting that shot makes no sense like for if you're older yeah great go do whatever like my grandparents got it like whatever you want to do it, but still and i strongly believe that no one should but, yeah uh everybody has choice and that's the bottom line exactly my yeah. folks always told me that yeah. free will is the most powerful thing on this earth and that's choice and you know if they all Whatever, dude. Yeah. It's on them. But yeah. uh, I'm telling anybody that's trying to take any advice. Yeah. Take your veggies and vitamins and get outside and exercise a little bit and smile. Dude. Yeah. Dude, yeah, no. My, I know. You know, find joy every day, you know? I'm with you on that. It's, dude, COVID's literally over. Like, nobody even thinks about it anymore. Why would you <laughs> even get a, why would you get the vaccine when it's literally done? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, nobody brings it up anymore. Yeah. Nobody's getting COVID anymore. Like, it's just, it's off in the wind. Well, and the flu never showed up, so yeah. whatever, dude. Uh, I'm <laughs> over it. I'm trying to do my thing. Yeah, we just got to stand strong. It's tough when we live in these, uh, these la-la land states, yeah. man, in clown town. It's unbelievable, dude. I mean, even when COVID... Yeah. So I feel like we should talk about guide life or something, dude. Yeah. Like I don't want you to get totally off track by having me on, dude. Like what what can I what can I contribute? All right. So we'll uh we'll dig back into that. Um so filming. I guided on a hunt one time. I guided a I was a one day fill in car guide out in New Zealand Ooh. because these other two, the main I was just trading with the company. And I ended up taking these guys out, and I was just, uh, I wasn't really guiding. I shouldn't even say that. The freaking police will probably come after me. But <laughs> we 
we walked out there, we spotted a car, and then my buddy let strip on one, and he just missed, oh. and it was a good night. But I've been around guides for the last 10 years. Yeah. I've been, you know, listening to guides and being guided by them as I film. I mean, almost all the hunts that I've filmed throughout, probably over over half at least, have been guided by someone. Yeah. Um, not often am I on a hunt DIY with someone, but I have done a few. Uh, there's just no budget for those folks. So anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been with a lot of good guides. And, well, I'll tell you, I'll give you some top guide tips off, off the cuff. Yeah. Um, it's always about the experience. You want the guy, no matter if he kills or not, to end the day stoked out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's pretty tough. If you're bird hunting and you get skunk, like, you know, they're expected to get some. But uh, but what I'm getting back to is the experience. You want to have a uplifting, positive attitude. People want to be around you. You know, make it a winner. Um, after that, you, you're never going to sleep. So stop crying about how you haven't gotten sleep because yeah. no one wants to hear it. Uh, with my guys around, I we're in the same boat. and I never let them say they're tired. That's like the most get biggest cuss word I could ever think of if someone says they're tired. Yeah. Because you're always going to be tired, motherfucker. So yep. you need to wake up. And uh, and what else in the guy's life? Uh, yeah. You got to know how to kill shit. That's yep. important. You got to oh, yeah. be a killer to be a good guy and understand it and the ups and downs and ebbs and flows. Yeah, and you got to be able to handle any client and any question because every client's going to ask the stupidest question, and it's going to be the same one you got the day before, and you got to answer it again because he's going to think that you're living the best life you've ever lived by being a guide, and uh, so you might as well answer the question. Plus, you're living off tips, so yeah. you might as well be a gentleman and get the guy a drink and call him Mr. and Mrs. and know what the hell you're doing. And don't smell like shit. Yeah. If you're a guy, you smell like shit. They're never going to tip you. And after that, I think that we should probably talk about these Sitka uh, stupid things that keep ripping. That's just ridiculous, right? Yeah. After the guy's life tip, I'd like to talk about that. Yeah. What's What's your opinion on the Sitka gear? Well, I'm a Sitka pro. Yeah. You know? And so is Trevor. And, yeah. uh, I mean, he probably wouldn't admit to that now, but, like, we've always had the code, and we've known people that work there and stuff, and and uh, I got my in through a couple of those dudes on some things. But it seems like every day they're going more liberal every day, first of all. Mm. But And whatever, that's big corporate just can't seem to get away from it. But the situation with the, with the, uh, the guy – What's to get? What's the Zipper. what's the clothes they always wear? The bib. Yeah, the bib. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. The stinking bibs. They're putting these crappy zippers in them, yeah. and these guys are buying them for the first time. It's going up and going through the deal, getting mud in them, and then they go out there their second day and their zippers broken. Yeah. And uh, so, like Trevor, he's got his freaking zip tied on. <laughs> And so he has to put him without his boots on every day. That's ridiculous, man. Like all, and it's like Trevor said to me, he'd pay seven hundred and he'd pay a thousand too if they would spend the money. That because Trevor's had multiple conversations 
making people cry, where he tells, you know, the ambassador of Sitka, well, why don't you guys put tougher zippers in it? And they're like, well, it'll cost more. They're like, well, at least yeah. it doesn't break. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, there are tough zippers out there. Yeah. Like, it's already that expensive. You might as well keep it high quality. Because, I mean, their gear is great. Like, their gear is fucking awesome. But their zippers are ruthless. Yeah, they're, it, dude, that's garbage. I mean, people are paying way too much money and uh, to have them break the first time and stuff like that. And just because they get mud in them and they're saying, oh, you need to spray them down and blah, blah, blah. Dude, if you're out there actually doing it, you ain't got time for that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Plus, ah, now your shit's soaked. And whatever, it's just ridiculous. Put the big old Yeti zipper on there, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, get on with it. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's what we, me and Trevor talked about a little bit. Is like they message him back and be like, "Yeah, put it in the wash, whatever, and then you'll be good." And he's like, "Dude, I don't got time to throw it in the wash every single night of snow goose season. Like it's just unrealistic." Yeah. But I don't know. I. The zippers definitely need to get fixed up on those. That's just the biggest thing. Yeah, I've had the, on the big game stuff, I've had some zippers go bad, and I've sent them off and they fixed them, yeah. you know? But the situation with the bibs, you know, it's just, it's mind-blowing. But anyways, that's my soapbox on that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't have any big game stuff, so I don't really know. How that stuff is, um, just basically the water. Well, I mean, here in America, here in America, that has camo on it, it's the bomb, you know. Yeah. But uh, it just needs to, it needs to be that high quality. You can travel the world and find tougher shit, uh, but it doesn't have camo on it most of the time. And you, and camo doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. people have been going out there in blue jeans their whole life, whacking them, and uh, yeah, we all know that since. Scent is number one thing. Being being right with the wind out here in the west, that's what matters. And you know, uh anyways, yeah, man. Yeah. Sick guy, everybody loves it, the big game. There's some competitors, and I've met some great guys. Ryan Eford with Canis, Canis athlete. Uh I've I've worn their stuff last uh year, and Ryan's a great dude. Went out Dalton hunting with him, and he's working with some high-end uh creators making some stuff and he even told me he goes dude the zippers are so expensive that we get into the waterproof and stuff like that yeah yeah, for anybody getting uh ryan's out of arkansas and he's big into birds and stuff if you ever got him on but uh anyways check him out canis athlete yeah oh absolutely yeah i mean like you said about the camo deal is that um a big deal out west when you're hunting out there, like, do you need the camo to blend in out there like you do, like, I don't know, whitetail? What, and whitetail hunting is kind of weird, too, though, because, I mean, you can go out there in anything, and as long as you're way up in the tree, like, they really don't see you. It's just all, all about the scent. I mean, yeah, movement, obviously, yeah. movement's going to give you away if you're up in the tree. I've seen that. Yep. Scent is huge. Yep. Uh, and you get away from that some when you're up in the tree. Yeah, I mean, out here in the West, uh, any any guy that's really, you know, 
the camo that really worked was like ASAP, where it works in the negative. And then there's a new company coming out called Booney, and they're the same style where it's more of a whitish, you know, it's working with shadows instead of turning you into a black blob out there. Uh, so to answer the question out in the West, you know, it's all about uh, the wind, and that includes the thermals plus the normal wind. And, you know, knowing when the, thorm- the thermals are switching, uh, you know, that's, that's the most important thing out here hunting uh, steep country and stuff like that. Yeah. And when you say thermals, what do you mean by that? Right on. Well, I mean, I'm no expert. There's probably uh, people that can spit out in better words. But, yeah, the thermals is, you know, in the mornings and the evenings, the wind goes downhill. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And then when the sun hits it and you hit around 8, 9 o'clock or whatever time it is, maybe 7, and then all the way until, you know, 5, 6, 7 o'clock in the afternoon, the wind goes uphill. And so if there's no actual wind, if you put out some scent checker out there, the wind will be rising as as heat does, and that's what it has to do with. And then as they call it thermal shift, the, the wind will start going downhill. So the old adage is when you're hunting big game and trying to gain elevation, you go uphill in the morning, and then you try to get to the level that you want to hunt at, and then oh. the thermals are going to shift, and they're going to start coming uphill. And then in the, as that goes on, you can start hunting downhill or being side hill. And then in the afternoon, before too long, you want to start going down because the, the wind's going to start going down too. And so that's how, you know, traditionally you try to hunt uh, big game. Huh. That makes yeah. a lot of sense, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, because that's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've never, I would have never thought about it like that. Well, not being from out west or big game hunting much. Yeah. It would only take you hunt with some big game guide or uh some guy that has experience one time and you would you would probably point it out yeah oh big time yeah what would be yeah. the biggest thing you'd say recommend when you're going into big game hunting your first time i got whacked man i don't know uh for so long uh growing up with my dad uh most of the time i felt like i was just taking my rifle for a walk uh, I didn't really have a lot of the skills. Yeah. And then I started, you know, following, I started following some killers around that were on TV and stuff. And I really got to see it all just right in front of my eyes as they were doing it. They were teaching, you know, because that's what they do on TV. It seems like they're kind of walking through the steps. Plus, I'm getting to listen. So, um, you know, yeah, I think my first advice to anybody that's wanting to come out west and hunt is find someone to hunt with that knows how to hunt out west. Yeah. And then, you know, that's going to, you're just going to gain so much knowledge just being around them. Just like if I went out with a, a bird guide, I would just pick up things and, and, and know the terminology or uh, any of the skill sets that you can pick up or whatnot. So that would kind of be my first advice to anybody come out west, find someone, uh, you know, that knows. That goes with business too. You know, you always want to surround yourself with people better than you. Yeah. I mean, it makes it a lot better. And you fill in where where it works, and so that'd probably be my first advice. If I if someone was coming out DIY, and uh, you know I I tell them again, okay, go talk to someone and get dialed, and then after that, man, uh, and I probably just say send it, you know, yeah. uh, check the checklist, then send it, and uh, and learn from our mistakes. I mean, we're always learning, 
that's that's important we're always learning out here and then after that uh you know you know what they say if we do the same thing over and over and expect a different outcome that's uh insanity and so if we do that do something and we learn from it and then we do it we learn from it uh that's what it takes to not be insane so we just gotta we gotta keep learning from all of our mistakes and our and everything oh yeah every time you go out hunting there's something new to learn there's always Heck a new yeah. tactic to pick up or whatever it is. Yeah. But go along with that before anybody eats me alive on the podcast. It says that we have to learn something three times to take it in. And uh, I think there is something to be said about that, too. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, out here in the West, I mean, it's like I said, with numbers of the animals, uh, you know, some, some states being better than others. Find an adventure, you know, find a, a place on the map that you're like, man, this is going to be beautiful. This can be sweet uh, uh, and be stoked about that. And then the animals are just, a, you know, just a bonus. Obviously, yeah. if someone like you's been waiting 10, 12 years for a tag or whatever, you hope to see some animals. But you should, too, if you go to these places. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I... You can't, you know, go if, you know, on my soapbox of, being out here in the outdoors, I'm sure it's the same as you, but being prepared, man. I mm-hmm. mean, the the right tool for the job is so important. And you see that in all the niches, all these hobbies, too. It's like you could have something that's, uh, you know, two different items for the same job, but one just works so much better. And uh, finding the gear and the little things that just make life, um, you make it work out here. Yeah. And what's that tool for you? <laughs> uh, I mean, man, I got tons of tools. Everything's a tool. I, I, you know, that's one of my things. I've never had kids, but I, if I'm fortunate enough uh, to have a kid, I'll never buy them toys. I'll yeah. always buy them tools, you know. And I think that starts young with books and things expand their mind and, and then all the way to, you know, um, the right backpack to, to anything, boots. Uh, but man, I mean, if you could see this right here, I mean, that whole rack over there is oh, yeah. all tools. You know, that's my wardrobe for the outdoors. And then, you know, you go over there and that's my, my cameras and yeah. stuff. And, and those are all tools. Uh, so to put it on one, if you ask me if what what is the one tool, uh, and I would say, gosh dang it, that's, my, that's me, man. That's yeah. my head. That's my brain. That's my heart. That's my passion. Uh, that's my tool. And I need to keep that going. So I got to, you know, going back to what we're saying, eat veggies, you know, take care of myself, sleep when I need to. Uh, yeah. Have enthusiasm. I think the, the definition of enthusiasm is, is like God inside of us or, you know, bursting out or something like that. Uh, maybe I'm making it up. But, yeah, I think having enthusiasm is important. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. My, my mom always had this little thing she told me, and I, they always said, you know, find joy every day. And uh, there's always a reason to have, fill our lives with joy. And, you know, we start being positive. It builds on itself and, and the vice versa. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely, dude. I hear you. That. And, like, with filming for you, what's it like being a filmer for big game hunting? Because for waterfowl hunting, like, you're stuck. You're in a blind. You're whatever it is. You can hide yourself pretty easily, and what's that like for big game hunting? Well, I think uh, one of the hugest, biggest difference 
is uh, between the waterfowl and the big game is we might only get one chance in the big game, whereas yeah. waterfowl wouldn't be a real good day if you only got one chance. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it does happen. Uh, so, you know, filming in, in that world, most of the time I'm just like a fly on the wall, but I also a lot of the times it's just one or two other people. And so, you know, you're taking care of yourself and you're, and you're helping out with the team. And the, the easiest way to have success as a filmmaker is, is if the group understands that it's camera first, always, you know. Yeah. You're asking the cameraman, all right, you go get set up and then we'll do this. Or, you know, we're always talking about how the, how the shot's going to go. And then the hunt just adds in. If it's vice versa and the guy's just doing his thing and he's not really thinking about the camera as much, uh, or at least, you know, helping that guy out and making it all happen, the production level's never as good. Uh, yeah. So, you know, big game hunting uh, and filming it, most of the time you're kind of the fly on the wall. Uh, but sometimes it's just you and another dude, and he might talk directly into the camera, and then, you know, you're going to do your thing. Um, but every gig's different, you know. Uh, yeah, but you kind of commented on filming birds or filming big game. A lot of times big game, you're out there hiking and adventuring while you're filming, whereas the bird hunting, you're going to be in one or two places most of the time. Yeah. And so I think different ways of being creative, uh, I give it out to those guys. I watched Slade's piece. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 I make some I've sweet films. Of, yeah. I've been a part, a part of a few uh, bird hunts and I've filmed a few and, and they've been on TV and stuff, but I don't have the links or whatnot, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like seeing people fired up and excited and bird hunting. Definitely group people are usually pretty stoked because you get a chance and uh, yeah. And I and Trevor's got some funny videos of me getting pretty stoked about shooting birds, <laughs> but uh, Trevor could probably knock him down one-handed as good as I could with my little eight seventy. So yeah. most of the time, I just like leaving it to the pros and and seeing it all go down. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of made the point of working together with whoever you're filming. I feel like that'd be a big piece. Is just like. Dude. You have to remember that the filmer's back there and trying to get a certain shot or whatever that is. I mean, yeah, you tell you if everybody's thinking together about how each shot and how it's going to play out all the time. Uh, yeah, it makes production so much smoother. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you get that yes, one, you get that one shot. And if you're not the camera's guy, guy is not at the angle that he can get that shot. That could be a just oh, big. Man big waste yeah especially in those moments that you're talking about when you're on a critter or whatever yeah it's so important that you're thinking about the camera getting on it and then the person setting up uh obviously archery and even rifle it can be bang bang yeah uh, you know so it is what it is you know uh we're always just gonna try to do our best yeah would you rather film archery hunts or rifle or rifle hunts i mean if it's a legendary killer with the bow and i feel like when it goes down this guy's gonna you know drop the arrow perfect placement then i'd probably rather do archery especially because that probably brings a rut with it yeah uh but for the most part i like filming rifle hunts because you usually have a little bit more time yeah more time to get set up um 
usually it's, it's a little bit easier to be successful mm-hmm. you know you can work your tail off and never even get a chance archery and and that's what that's the fun of it yeah but uh most of the time with with what i do um success means there's gonna they're gonna make a show out of it and everybody's stoked and so you know it's a it's a trade-off i film i you know i when i came into this game in uh like 2013 um i was filming archery only Hmm. and i was out filming a show in colorado that was archery only and working exclusively with them and uh so i've done whitetail mule deer elk all archery so you yeah it's a tough question but i'd probably pick uh archery if the guy knows what he's doing if i could preface but if it was just open-ended i i don't know i'd probably still say archery i don't know man all over the place yeah i love them both it's just the the critters is what makes it cool you know yeah oh exactly and how long do you usually how long does it usually take for you to like record a show and what i mean by that is like how much time do you actually have to film to create a film yeah most gigs that i'm on you know the the perfect world would be that you have this pre-production time and then you go out there and you get all these set shots and then you make this film but that's not how that's not how outdoor tv works you know most of the time you're just flying in and you're going to start shooting the moment you get there, being as creative as you can. And yeah. they're telling you what's going on. And then you're going to do your best. Most of those gigs is like five days of filming and two travel days. So you're gone a week, mm. you know, one day flying in, work five days. And uh, because that's most of the time, that's about the budget they want to spend. Uh, most dudes around my world are making, you know, 500 bucks a day is kind of normal in the outdoor world uh, for doing film and then there's guys that are niched up you know way higher than that too but uh that's about what someone can afford if they're going to do five days with a filmmaker you know and they're going to try to do that for a show maybe 10 times um and start adding up so um that's how you answer the question about a week usually per per gig Hmm. and how long are like the films usually like to make are they 30 minute well, parcel hour. 22 parcel. minutes. Yeah. TV's 22 minutes. And then uh, the short film era with uh, with YouTube and Amazon Prime and stuff, dudes can make whatever they want. But yeah. traditionally, a short film is 8 to 12 minutes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, then you have to play with the commercials and all that kind of stuff for the 22 minute long one. Yeah. Shoot. I don't know what it is anymore. And every show's different. But they'll probably have like, you know, two to four minutes of commercials or something, or, yeah. or oh, it's gonna be more than that, dude. It's it's two to two and a half minutes per commercial spot or something. So yeah, I mean that cuts down on uh, seven minutes probably or something that gets dropped in there. So even a TV show, oh no, I'm totally messed up, dude. <laughs> TV show is 22 minutes. Yeah, that's what I already said. Yeah. 22 minutes. And then you add it on to make it 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was being a high guy right there. <laughs> no worries. But, uh, yeah, no, I – and that takes, like, time away from you as well. Um, Just got to get uh, more it creative. It doesn't matter to me, man. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just giving them the footage. They turn it into whatever they want. Yeah. What's, yeah. Uh, what other hunts have you done? You were talking about doll sheep. How was that? 
and that's a once in a lifetime hunt. If you live up there in Alaska, you get a you get a doll sheep tag every year. You know, if you're a resident, wow, and uh, that's been something that's been always. You get a whole bunch of things. You know, you can shoot like ten caribou a day or something like that. Uh, but yeah, Alaska, Man. the last frontier, is amazing. Uh, and I got to go up there uh, in the Brooks Range and follow a guy, uh, Ryan Eford from Canis Athlete. And yeah, that doll sheep's an amazing hunt. It's uh, you know, it's a spendy hunt if you're going uh, normal dude going to a guide. Yeah. Uh, so, but you can't can't do it unguided. You can't do it without a guide unless yeah. you're a resident. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I Alaska can... with their their predator hunts uh, with the the grizz and uh, the doll sheep. Uh, it has to be guided. You can go up there and DIY moose caribou i wonder why they have to do uh guided hunts do you know why that is probably so people don't go out there and kill themselves without someone yeah that seems about right they're not ready for alaska yeah because alaska is a rowdy place yeah i mean uh out here in northeast oregon and uh the south island of new zealand and alaska uh you can get into some wild places, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. How long ago were you in New Zealand? Well, it's been a couple of years now since the last time, 2019, but I went for four years straight before that, uh, filming hunts and selling to private clients who were at Outfitters and filmed a couple of shows out there. Uh, so I've got to do the tar and the chamois and the red stag. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty wild place. It's amazing. Oh, I can imagine. That red stag badass yeah that's kind of the trophy hunt but uh the diy hunts are probably more appealing and you don't have to spend as much to kill one of those big stags and they're also high fence most of the time really uh yeah for the for the big stags uh you can go out and find them in the wild lands but you'll never find the uh freaks that you you shoot and i yeah. i harvested one of those it was like 396 i've got a little short film somewhere with it on it but Jeez. uh yeah i traded for all the animals out there with an outfitter yeah it's not a bad deal then can't complain oh it was fun man it's fun yeah great well, times great memories really cool family out there yeah oh i hear you on that and the high fence so how how big are these pieces of property yeah that's a good question because that's a question that someone should always ask because every outfitter is different uh, I got lucky with the outfitter that I went out with. He had a pretty big block, uh, thousands of acres. Oh, wow. Uh, whereas sometimes you'll roll into these high-end places, let alone the hunter probably, you know, big old fat dude can't walk where he's going to walk out to anyways. But yeah. a lot of times they'll pull these dudes in on a side-by-side, right inside a little, you know, 100-acre paddock or, or smaller, and uh, it could be small. And yeah. the stag will just be standing over on the other side and they'll shoot him. Yeah. So uh, I was always lucky that it was at least a, it was at least a hunt. It was a pretty big block that had multiple drainages. And, uh, you know, they had to make some moves to get in within range of the rifle. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that's where, that's where the tar and the chamois are an amazing experience out there in New Zealand. And they're hunted in the, there is a few guys that high fence tar, but that's 
that's some bullshit right there. But uh, doing the doing the wildland tar and chamois is is an amazing hunt, and it's less expensive. Oh, really? Uh, you can find them all over the place, but you know that place has been shut down uh, as well, and so those outfitters are really needing the American business as well. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's such a shame everywhere that's closed down. Because I mean, yeah, the Americans bring in a lot of money for the Canada residents and all that kind of stuff. I remember one of my buddies who went up to Canada to go duck hunt, and one of the Canadians at the border was like. You know, ducks migrate south, right? And he's like, yep, they're a lot more fun up here. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know, it was just, it was awful. Yeah, fun. it should be a team game, but, uh, yeah, there's some crazy stuff happening right now. Hopefully we can get beyond it with that whole thing, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying. Uh, hunting is a big business around the world. Yeah. And conservation, especially out here in the West, needs to be looked out after. And Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's been a shame what they've done to some of these states. But yeah. a lot of people are fighting back. And, the, and uh, some of those states across these invisible lines we were talking about are fighting back big time. So it's yeah. a good thing. Oh, absolutely. How are the public lands out there? Are they managed pretty I mean, well where i live man everything's public land oregon is known for their public lands so yeah. you know the the wilderness has no uh uh motorized vehicle and public land is open and it's amazing i mean that's what it's all about in this state yeah that's awesome yeah gotta keep yeah, public you should come lands visit public. sometime we'll put you up yeah oh absolutely that'd yep. be awesome i gotta get myself out to oregon one of these days Come see what it's all about. Yeah, we'll tell, tell Trevor to put. Yeah, tell Trevor to pay for a plane ticket to get you out here. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll make sure to let him know. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let him know. But no, yeah, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. Cause I, yeah, I mean Minnesota, oh, yeah. Minnesota, we don't have like a bunch of public lands. I mean, we do, but I mean nothing like out west. Yeah. Like. No, it's just another beast out here, just like up there. Yep, everything's it's different, man. No doubt. Yeah, it's a lot more open country and a lot more, a lot less residents, I guess, in certain areas that have the country to expand. Yeah, but yeah. Oh man, yeah. I mean, there's only eight thousand people in my whole county here. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. So. This is pretty rural out here, but yeah. we get also, like, I don't even remember the number. It's an astronomical number of tourists every year, so uh, way more than live here. But we're, we're grateful for them, and I don't benefit personally from them except for people around here make money and, and, uh, and the restaurants stay open and things like that. So, yeah, you should come check it out sometime, no doubt. Yeah, no kidding. And when your guys' tourists are out there, are they just visiting or are they hunting? Well, it goes through that whole season pretty much from, you know, it's year-round now, but the classic tourism time starts in May and then ends in September, but it's not like that anymore. Plus, with hunting kicks off, it's just a different crowd. Yeah. I mean, it goes from, you know, travel trailers to horse trailers instead and lots of people coming into town here. Uh, yeah, I mean, when 
before buck season opens up it'll just be full on you know uh rigs rolling in oh i believe it yeah yeah that'd be oregonians put in for most of their tags and out in northeast oregon somewhere uh for their draw tags uh there are some other areas uh but there's a lot of folks coming out here to northeast oregon yeah how hard is it to get an out-of-state tag for oregon like a non-resident well the over-the-counter you can still do obviously archery and then after it goes to that the draw yeah it's tough i think they only designate 10 percent of the tags out of state or five percent i can't remember but yeah you got to just you know putting in for places that have a little higher chance with less people putting in and things uh but yeah i mean oregon's all the out-of-state stuff i think idaho kind of has some of the best out-of-state hunting yeah but, uh yeah it's tough and what would you say like the coolest over-the-counter hunt that you've been on like that somebody that could do on? yeah that somebody could do like on their own yeah i've been on multiple over-the-counter archery hunts uh bull elk that have been really cool yeah uh, where dudes have got in them a lot and been successful uh you know there i've never been on it but there is an over-the-counter bighorn hunt well it's not over the counter but you're a guaranteed draw in montana but there's also what it is is there's a uh, limit and so after i think it's only two rams get killed it gets shut down or whatever and so there's quota and it's a really rugged area and i know some people that have wanted to do it uh, but i've never been on that hunt but right. yeah over the counter man yeah it's been those archery elk hunts that were definitely the most memorable yeah so the bighorn ram one you just they once they get tagged out they get tagged out yeah so it's like you're responsible for being in touch so you have to have like garmin or whatnot and they they tell you when the quota is full and then when the quota fills you have like i think it's 24 hours 48 hours whatever it is just keep hunting and you can fill your tag but you can't fill it after that and so it's kind oh. of a weird thing uh never been on it and and uh i might not have all the facts but yeah it's a it's a guaranteed draw big horn up there in montana huh yeah i was gonna say yeah. like if somebody shot one and then that was the last one to fill the quota and then you shot one at the same time how would that work so that makes yeah, sense. yeah you have there is a grace period yeah okay yeah yeah i was gonna say I mean, that'd be that'd be shitty if you shot one and then somebody else <laughs> or like you shot one right after somebody shot the quota and yeah. that'd be fucked but i don't know that would be but it doesn't yeah it doesn't work like that uh i don't think there's a huge number of uh big horns in there but it's just the adventure of having the tag in your pocket yeah like i love adventuring but then when it's just a bonus when i get to adventure with the tag in my pocket because yeah there's just something primal about going out there and getting our meat getting yeah. our trophy you know searching yeah. for this uh it's the grown-up easter egg hunt you know oh and, yeah. yeah it's the chase the chase dude yeah just trying to get after it hey, yeah like over in yeah uh, that's what it's all about yeah they got they got some big rams where we were at over in winifred montana like there's some there's some yeah. giants out there 
and they are just the cool. I think they were one of the coolest animals. Those bighorn rams. Oh yeah, like, they have filmed bighorn uh, as well out here. As a thirteen-year-old kid, once in a lifetime draw, and he drew it at thirteen here in Oregon. Jeez. And he got a uh, he he put in and here in Oregon it's special because you can hunt the Rockies or the Californians. And he put in in an area that has the California bighorn, and uh, he got a nice ram. That's awesome. That'd be insane to yeah. get at thirteen years old. Yeah, yeah. He probably didn't even know what he had. Oh no, not <laughs> except for the fact he can never draw it again here in Oregon. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be that'd be sweet. Though. That'd be so cool to get one that young. Though would be crazy. People will go their entire life without ever getting yeah. a big tag. Yeah, and the way they not. I mean, I just love them, that animal so much. The way they can climb those mountains in, like, fucking minutes is incredible. Yeah. The goat creature and the sheep are amazing. Yeah. That's like those car in New Zealand. I've seen them on straight up and down. And, uh, yeah, mountain goats. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, they can just look. Just having four-legged animals can just move around so much faster than we can. Oh, yeah. They can... Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Like the breaks out there along the Missouri River and how they can just climb those up. Yeah. Is unbelievable. Takes me cool. three hours to climb up the <laughs> mountain and they can yeah. do it in five minutes. Yeah. But I don't know. Something else. Something that uh we can't do, I guess. No. <laughs> but hey, I have to uh jump on another call, brother. But thank you so much for jumping on. That was awesome. All right, I don't know. I just kind of spit some stuff out, but I'm down to come on again. Yeah. And someday I'm going to have a, a thing where people get together and talk, and I'll have you on. Hell yeah, brother. I can't wait. That All was right. awesome. Well, I'll catch you later, and uh, let me know on how the filming's going. All right. So, we'll catch right you on. later. Thanks a lot. Yeah. See ya. See you, dude.